It's Robin Marshall, America's number one sugar mom, with a pre-Halloween surprise. Now, I know that you've heard me say in the past that what I do for a living is voice acting, aside from podcasting. And I work for a major broadcast company where I have a team that works for me and we do national radio commercials for all different companies. I have uh, just shy of a thousand salespeople that come to me on a weekly, daily, monthly, it doesn't matter. And I've got voice talents everywhere that pitch in and work through my division. But we all have side work too, where we do our independent voice work. And I had a friend of mine come to me and ask if I wouldn't mind just recording this little piece for him because he was practicing some kind of production for his own podcast. And he wanted to hear me and my take on being the witch. So I found a few ghost stories to go along with this piece. But I'm starting off by letting you hear just a taste of what I do. You ready? If there are kids in the room, you might want to make them go away. It can be a little bit edgy. (laughs) And props to Clint Granberry, who did the production on this piece. And off we go into the land of witchery. (laughs) Ladies and gentlemen, this picture truly one of the most unusual ever filmed, contains scenes which under no circumstances should be viewed by anyone with a heart condition or anyone who is easily upset. We urgently recommend that if you are such a person or the parent of a young or impressionable child now in attendance, that you and the child leave the auditorium. Thrice the brinded cat hath mewed. Thrice and once the hedge pig whined. Harpier cries, tis time, tis time. Round about the cauldron go. In the poisoned entrails throw. Toad that under cold stone. Days and nights has thirty-one. Sweltered venom sleeping got. Boil thou first in the charmed pot. Double, double, toil and trouble. Fire burn and cauldron bubble. Filet of a fenny snake in the cauldron boil and bake. Eye of newt and toe of frog. Wool of bat and tongue of dog. Adder's fork and blind worm's sting. Lizard's leg and owlet's wing. For a charm of powerful trouble. Like a hellbroth boil and bubble. Double, double toil and trouble. Fire burn in cauldron bubble. Scale of dragon, tooth of wolf, which is mummy, maw, and gulf. Of the raven, salt sea shark. Root of hemlock digged in the dark. Liver of blaspheming Jew. Gall of coat and slips of you. Silvered in the moon's eclipse. Nose of Turk and Tartar's lips. Finger of birth strangled babe. Ditch delivered by a drab. 
make the gruel thick and slab. And there to a tiger's children, for the ingredients of our cauldron. Cool it with baboon's blood, then the charm is firm and good. By the pricking of my thumbs, something wicked this way comes. Now, before I begin the first story, let me remind you to subscribe to the Sugar Mom Podcast. You really never know what I'm going to be talking about next. I don't know what possessed me to do this this early, but I figured let me get a jump on everybody else. Why not? I do know that next week I'm going to be talking about sex and money. So you'll want to stick around next Tuesday. The concept of the sugar world. When was the last time somebody told you a scary story? I mean, one that had the hairs on your arms stand up or made you run to the bathroom. This is my plan. You might want to just download this and listen to it while you're out walking tonight with your earbuds in. Talk about being effective. Just don't walk in any dark alleys, okay? Make sure the lights are on. (laughs) All right, we're into story number one. The Little Girl Who Wasn't from Lady Sparrow. I lived in a house from hell for four years, age 11 to almost 16. There was constantly something happening. Doors flying open and shut. Voices, footsteps. Nothing ever stayed where you put it. I was alone there a lot because both my parents worked and I was constantly terrified. One of the most gut-level disturbing things, though, was the little girl in my bathroom. Every time I walked past my bathroom door, which was constantly since it was right outside my bedroom, I would see a little girl with blonde curly hair and a rose-colored dress on. She stood there, staring, just looking like a photograph from the 1900s. I started keeping the door closed so I could walk by without seeing her, but she was always there when I'd open it. Once I stepped in past her, I couldn't see her anymore, but I could feel her. She scared me, but I felt really sorry for her because she was trapped there, just like probably forever As the years went by and things in the house continued to get worse, she started seeming darker. I started feeling like she wasn't really a little girl. I knew there was something ugly in the house and I felt like it was presenting this sympathetic image to me. And then I started thinking I was completely losing my mind. It took a while for me to get to that point. One day when I was 14... I had a friend from out of town come stay with me for a week. I didn't tell her anything whatsoever about the house because I didn't think she would come if I did. 
But right after she got there, we were sitting in my room and she left to go to the bathroom. About a minute later, she walked back in with a puzzled look on her face and said, So, uh, there's a little girl in your bathroom. And I said, Yeah, she hangs out in there. She's got blonde hair, right? And she answered, Curly hair with a pink dress. Yeah, but you know that's not really a little girl, don't you? Can I tell you, I almost threw up. I was so relieved and yet terrified and excited and ready to run out of the house screaming that somebody else saw this. She wouldn't use my bathroom the rest of the week, and I started using it as little as possible without pissing off my parents, who still didn't believe me. Eventually, we moved out, and I couldn't have been happier. I distanced myself from it mentally as much as I could. And then when I was 18, I took another friend on a road trip to pack up a few things I'd left in the house. My parents had never managed to sell it and wouldn't for five more years. But the minute we got on the property, my friend seemed uncomfortable. When we came around the bend in the long, steep driveway, he went completely white. I could tell something was wrong, but he insisted he was okay, so we got to work. After a while, he asked if he could use the bathroom. Not 20 seconds after he left, he came running back in, gasping for breath, and slammed the bedroom door behind him. He started babbling about a little blonde girl who isn't really a little girl. All of a sudden, he went dead still. He looked me in the eye, and very, very quietly, he said, She's not happy with you. You left her. And you weren't supposed to. Well, we grabbed anything and threw it into the car after I walked him to another bathroom and waited outside the door. Then we were out of there. That was one little girl, or whatever, I never wanted to see again. Losing Yourself in China From Nilly. So, when I was barely 20 years old, I was traveling with a small group of people through China, and we were there for about two months in an area which used to be a part of Tibet. Our destination was a specific town to teach English, but we'd been stopping off in towns and small cities along the way. One day we arrived in a rural town, very small, nothing unusual. We spent only a couple of days there, shopping for food at the markets and walking around to see the sights, although there weren't many. This was in the dead of winter in February, and all the grass on the hills and plains around the town was dead and brown. The overall feeling was that of the normal kind of bleakness that any rural place has in the winter. And at this time in my life, things were going amazingly, extraordinarily well for me. And I say that because my teenage years had been darkly overcast. But the overwhelming good luck of being able to travel and these close friends I'd made in the last year had more than changed my feelings and attitude towards life. And it was like I was a whole new person. I was ecstatic to be in Tibet, went to sleep with a smile on my face every night. Our second day staying in this small town, I woke up feeling a little odd. Not bad, just odd. Like my normal thoughts and feelings had been turned down low, like on a dial. We all decided to go for a walk on the hills right behind the town. 
where there was a small summit with a pile of rocks and some prayer flags. There were little altars like these on every other hill. They gave us something to do. As we hiked up the hills behind the town, I started feeling stranger and stranger. I wasn't scared, and I didn't feel angry or any strong emotion. In fact, it was like emotion was trickling out of me somehow, like I had a leak, and I was getting blanker and blanker and emptier and emptier. My mind started feeling a little hazy, and more and more I felt like I simply just didn't care about anything. A small and quickly dwindling part of myself started to panic. I knew that something bad was happening, but it was like my own inner voice was slowly getting quieter. I remember we reached that little summit, and I just sank to the ground next to the pile of rocks. Without meaning to, I started tuning out the voices around me and fixed all my attention on these little pebbles that were in the dirt. I began tapping one against the other repeatedly. Do you know the kind of horror that is the opposite of feeling scared or feeling anything at all? The kind of vacuous hideousness of a fly buzzing against a closed window for hours on end in an empty room. That's what was filling my mind. It was demonic in its meaninglessness. I touched my face and felt that I was grinning at nothing. Through all that emptiness, a thought floated to the forefront of my mind. You should just die. At first, it sounded totally reasonable, but something in me fought it, and I was momentarily troubled. Right then, my group started to walk down from the hill, and I followed, and the further we walked, the more normal I felt, until we left the town that afternoon, and I was totally freaked out when another girl, Hannah, mentioned in an odd, off-handed way that she had felt very strange and depressed while staying there. I told her I'd felt the same. When the group leader mentioned that a local had told him that the town had been plagued with a rash of young women under 25 committing suicide, Hannah and I went white. What the Dog Knew from Aeonaflux 072 In my old apartment, my dog would, on occasion, look down the hallway towards the bedroom from the living room and growl for no reason. Also, on occasion, when I was sleeping in the bedroom, she slept at the foot of the bed. I'd wake up with her staring at the door and growling. She was a big dog, 140 pounds of Great Dane and slobber. So I was there for a couple of years thinking, okay, my dog has a great imagination. Wrong. One night I woke up due not to my dog growling, but barking for all she was worth and not at the door. She was barking straight at me. I opened my eyes pretty much immediately and there was a blur of light leaning over me, very close, less than six inches from my face. It wasn't distinguishable as a person. It resembled a person-sized version of a colorful nebula you might see a picture of in a science magazine, like three-dimensional. 
I immediately got the distinct impression that this thing had been watching me sleep. For God knows how long and how many times before, for all the clarity of that distinct feeling, I had no sense of what it wanted, whether it was malevolent or just curious. I flipped right the fuck out, jumped backwards to the other side of the bed, too terrified to scream, and that blur of light receded and disappeared over the course of about three seconds. My dog was going nuts. Shortly thereafter, I asked the building manager if anybody had ever died there. She investigated that and came back to me a couple of weeks later with a yes. A woman had died of a drug overdose in that apartment in 1995, shortly after having her child removed from her custody because of her addiction problems. My dog did still growl at the hallway from time to time, but I never saw that again. I moved out about a year later. I don't even know how I stayed. I've had other encounters, but this thing was literally inches from my face watching me sleep. I get shivers now just writing about it. There's something on the stairs from Snarky Chew. When I was a kid, I would race to the top of the stairs as fast as I could like it was some sort of stupid game. Well, I must have been five or six at the time. I'm not sure, but I know I was really little. Somewhere along the way, a voice at the top of the stairs started to whisper to me. It would make bets with me, like, I bet you a penny you can't make it to the top of the stairs. I don't really think there was a certain amount of time or anything. As I said, I was very little, so I probably didn't have any counting abilities anyway. I just recall sitting at the top of the stairs, having conversations with this voice about the betting. Eventually, the voice, it was like a whisper of a man's voice, not my own voice in my head. The voice started to bet me my life. Instead of pennies, it would say, I bet you your life you can't make it up the stairs. As I got older, it stopped. I never really thought about it at all. I never mentioned it to anyone until one night I was sleeping over at my brother's place. I was about 18. He was 22. And we were talking about spooky stories. Out of nowhere, I brought up the voice at the top of the stairs. And my brother got all quiet and weird. Before I even mentioned the betting aspect, he said, Did it make bets with you? We both looked at each other, horrified. It certainly was freaky after the fact. The Drive-By from formerly Dick Movie. We were camping once, driving through some city. My dad was driving, my mom on the passenger seat, and I was kneeling behind them, leaning on the boot that separated the truck from the camper. It was nighttime, not fully dark. We weren't really talking, and my mom was looking out her window when she screamed, Oh, God! Oh, my God! Jean, do you see it? My dad said, Yeah, I do. I'm going to slow down and let them by. He slowed and the car on the right passed us. I couldn't see inside, but their window was down and the arm hanging out of the window looked like it was impossibly thin. I asked my mom what she saw and she said it was nothing. My dad backed her up. Years later, I asked them about it again. My mom said it was a skeleton 
It was no mask because you could see through the jaws. It had a tongue and eyes. It was death. My dad backed her up. But years later, after my mom was dead, he recanted saying it was a mask because nothing could survive like that. I guess he just didn't want to own that memory all by himself. The Haunted Strip Club from Dinosaur Dance Party. And this is going to do it for the Sugar Mom Scary, Disturbing Podcast of the Week. All right. So this is when I used to live in a different state. I got a job working as a cocktail server at a strip club. Kind of had a metal punk vibe, and I'm not one of those people who thinks stripping is super empowering, but it was a good fit at the time. Also, while I was there after about six weeks, I'd often have a terrible, suffocating feeling, almost about to have panic attacks and migraines while working in this club. I'd feel panicked and scared, but I chalked it up to just a stressful job in a strange environment. I never really had these feelings anywhere else around this time in my life. So the club was really kind of messy, not dirty, but just filled with things. Lots of tables in the bar, lots of speakers, extra crap in the back storage room behind the stage, and a tiny crowded dressing room for the dancers. Behind the stage, there was a kind of storage room area that had lots of dressers and mirrors, as well as an old comfy couch in case the dancers wanted to use it as an extra dressing room or a place to nap, but no one ever actually used it. The room gave me the worst suffocating, panic-inducing vibes of all, and I had no explanation for it. So I'd often be at work until 4 a.m. or later, since I didn't have a car, public transportation wasn't running, and it was kind of a sketchy neighborhood, I'd wait until one of the dancers was done for the night, and she'd drop me off at home. Well, this was often after my own shift ended. When I first started working, I'd spend that extra time trying to do side work, clean and straighten up, like a good employee. But after a while, I just wound up hanging out in the back room studying, since I was also in grad school at the time until when I started completely freaking out in this back room. And when I'd leave to go sit up at the bar or in the dancer's dressing room, the feeling would just go away. I started to kind of bring it up to the dancer that drove me home. She said the back room also creeped her out, but she didn't go into any details. So one night after closing, I was carrying a box of extra glasses into the back room, and I heard the most terrifying sound of my life. It was like from a horror film, like a long screech, almost like electronic music, but just one tone, like a chainsaw that reverberated around the entire floor and walls. I dropped the box, screamed, and ran out to the floor. The bartender said he heard the noise as well, but not as loud as me, and without the vibrating floor and walls, and started checking the sound system, telling me some of the music equipment probably just started screwing up. This happened about five more times while I worked there. Sometimes other people heard it, sometimes just me, and always when I walked into that back room. Twice when I walked into the back room, the light would flicker off and would be replaced with a reddish glow, like someone had put a red light bulb in. 
both times that happened, I ran out and got the bartender. They'd check and the light would be totally dead, not working. After a while, I was constantly shaken and just didn't want to tell him every time something happened since I was afraid they'd think I was crazy or fire me. After the noise and red light, I'd never go to that back room, even when I should have been cleaning it. One time I was standing in the hall between the dancer's room and the back room, half-heartedly sweeping the floor and staring into that back room. I was starting to feel that panic in my chest, and I kept telling myself to look away, look in the dressing room instead. But I couldn't stop staring like I was transfixed. And in the corner of my eye, I saw a reflection in the mirror set up leaning against a dresser in the back room. I forced my head to look, and I saw, in the mirror, two legs in black, ripped tights, floating about a foot from the floor, swaying back and forth. I threw the broom, screamed as loud as I could, and ran to the bar. I was convinced one of the dancers had hung herself in that room. I could see it so clearly in my mind. Of course, when we went back, there was nothing there. One of the dancers was convinced that the room was haunted, and I was seeing a ghost. She thought maybe someone had killed herself back there. She wanted me to get some of her friends to do a Ouija board about the bar and the ghost, but I was just too terrified. Around all this happening, I was having panic attacks, migraines, sleeping with my lights on, terrified of my own shadow, carried pepper spray everywhere I went. It may have just been a combination of everything in my life, sleeping weird hours, grad school, dealing with my own personal shit, but I've always been a high-stress person who's worked a lot more stressful jobs since then. And I've never experienced anything like that ever in my life. About a week after I saw the legs in the mirror, I was working one more shift before taking a week off to do some research for a grad class and go on a long weekend trip with my girlfriend. This was near Halloween, so the club had kind of gone all out with goofy decorations and costumes. I usually dressed in all black anyway. And I tried not to wear anything too sexy or distracting so customers would mostly leave me alone and concentrate on the dancers instead. So this day I just wore a black skirt and a t-shirt but had my face painted like a sugar skull. It was mostly white with jewels and it was awesome. Since I was so freaked out all the time at the club, I started asking if I could leave around midnight and would catch the last bus but this night, my friends were meeting me to drink at the club after my shift. I was near the end of the shift, and I was taking off my apron in the dressing room and leaned over the dancer's mirror to check my makeup, and that is the last thing I remember. Until I was being shaken awake by one of the bouncers with a friend and my girlfriend by my side. I was in the haunted back room laying on the couch, and my face paint was completely smeared all over my face. They said I had disappeared for about 45 minutes until they went looking for me and found me asleep and had been trying to shake me awake for almost two minutes. I was completely hysterical, had no idea what had happened. My clothes weren't disturbed, my tip money was still in my apron, and there's almost no way anyone had been back there all night. 
I was almost afraid I'd been drugged. But right after this event, I went to the doctor. No health insurance, so this was a big deal for me. And I got checked out and had them give me an MRI. Since I was afraid I had a brain tumor or something that made me lose my mind, they suggested I speak to a psychologist. After that night, I quit the job. Never went back. Besides those horrible events, I loved working there and made a lot of friends, but I absolutely lost my mind. And once I left, I never felt any of those feelings or saw anything like that ever again. Well, there's some food for thought when you go to sleep tonight. If you're anything like me, you, my friend, will have nightmares. And if you do, and you want to share one with me, all you have to do is write me, and then we can talk about it over the phone. I had personally a very crazy dream the other night. I'll save it for another time. But me... I can't even sleep with my hand hanging over the bed because I'm still afraid of crocodiles because of frickin' Peter Pan and the number he did on my head. So, to be continued, and take me up on it, write me at robinmarshallsugarmom at gmail.com or write me right here on the platform, whichever podcast you're listening to. Could be iTunes, Podbean, Stitcher, all of them. I always answer, and I'd love to hear from you anyway. Make sure you subscribe to the Sugar Mom podcast, and I hope you enjoyed these stories. I did. I know I won't tonight, but I did enjoy talking about them. We'll see what happens. Happy almost Halloween. <laughs>